Well, we're in part two of our series, Excess. Excess. And for us, excess can mean different things. If you've, if you've ever traveled overseas um, and um, you go to put your bag, your luggage that you've only paid for 20 kilos, and you put your luggage on the scale and it goes 22.5 kilos, and they're like, you'll, you'll have to pay an excess of uh, 2.5 kilos. That's going to cost you 50 bucks. And you go, wait, wait, hang, hang on, hang on. And you open up your bag and you start stuffing things inside your um, uh, carry-on. Anybody done that before? And, and carry-on, and now your carry-on weighs 15 kilos. And, uh, or here's, here's, a, here's, a, here's a tip for you. What you could do is take all your, if you've got big jackets or jumpers, take them out and put them all on. And so you walk on the plane like this. Hey, how's it going, everybody? All three layers of pants on and all this. And then and just before you sit down, you put your 7 kg carry-on in at the top and then take all your layers off and chuck it up next to it as well. That's a, that's a little tip. Not that I've done it before. I've heard it, heard it before. Excess. Um, no, another way for excess is for myself, I'm eating portion sizes. Portion sizes. And, um, and the reason why I'm eating portion sizes is because there's some excess that I need to lose. And so anyway, so the excess, there's a lot of things. What are the things that are weighing us down, holding us back? And, and if you ever watch the Olympic Games, you ever seen the, the runners? They're, they're at the blocks of a 100-meter a sprint. You don't see a runner lining up for the Olympic Games and he's wearing like a baggy track pants and he's just wearing sand shoes and in his pocket he's got a banana in case he gets hungry. You know, think about it, he couldn't get hungry. And he's got a water bottle on the other hand and he, and he goes to line up and he can't actually do that start, start you know, they running starts properly because of the water bottle. So he just, oh, I'll just stand. You don't see that happening in a race. And the reason why you don't see that is because the runner's got to shed off all the excess. All those things are good, right? Running in track pants. Who loves running in track pants? Nice and comfortable. Comfy uh, sneakers, that's comfortable, right? You know, banana, you could get hungry when you're running 100 meters. You never know. And a bottle of water, that, that makes sense. But not if you're, if, you, if you're running for a race to win a prize. And, right, and we're all on a race. God has, has given each one of us a purpose. And we've got to shed off all the excess to ensure that we win the prize. So what is it for you that you need to shed? What excess do you need to get rid of for, to ensure you that you win the prize? What is it for you that is stopping you from stepping into your purpose? What excess do you have? And for some of us in this room, maybe it could be condemnation that, that, that you're feeling like, you know what, maybe I'm not, just not good enough. I just feel, I come into church and I just, I, and, you know, and it just reminds me that I'm not good enough. Or maybe, maybe for you it's, um, it's a feeling of guilt or regret. Uh, for others, it's, it's unforgiveness, or, or maybe you're feeling like, what I've done cannot be forgiven. And because you've got all these things upon you, it's, it's like, it's, it weighs you down, and it's heavy, and, and, and you're trying to do your best, right? You're, you're trying to run this race, but, but everybody else, they, they look like they're well prepared, but you, you've got like your tracksuit pants on, you've got your bananas in your pocket, you know, and, you're, and, and you just, you just I, I just need to lose some things and, and to run this race. And, and so what is it for you that you need to shed? What is it that's weighing you down from stepping into your purpose? What is it for you? I know when I was growing up um, as a young boy, I, I, I attended a traditional church. It was the PIPC church, and that stood for the Pacific Island Presbyterian Church. I was the only white kid in the whole church, and so you'll notice me in there. And, but I, I went along there, and for me, what I, my observation growing up, this is my observation, this is totally not uh, a reflection on anything uh, what the PIPC does, but in my observation was like, I just felt like we lived for God on a Sunday, but every other day is like, do whatever you want. I just kind of felt like that, and, and, I, and I know people feel like that, and, and, and you can even feel like that in this church. It's, it's, not, it's not a reflection of any church. It's just where we are, right? 
And so, I, and I just kind of believe that in order to get to heaven, again, this is, I kind of made up my own theology. Because, you know, because I don't, as a young kid, I never read my Bible, never did any of, any of those things. And so I kind of came up with my own theology. And this was my theology to get into heaven. I call it the big four. Number one, you've got to attend church regularly. Now, as a young kid, it's something that I didn't like doing because I didn't like going to church. And I did it anyway because, you know, I've got to get into heaven. I've got to attend church regularly. Number two was read your Bible every day. Now, that was still a work in progress for me. <laughs> um, so once a year, or maybe in church. Um, and number three was pray, at least every day. And, 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 uh, and that was still a work in progress for me. Uh, but the fourth one was, was being baptized. You had to be baptized. If, so if you didn't go to church regularly, you didn't read your Bible, you didn't pray, and you weren't baptized, then you're going to hell. That was my theology, and that is totally wrong. See, it's not what you do that gets us into heaven. It's the, it is the finished work of Jesus on the cross that sets us free. But we weigh ourselves down with all these excesses. And we put all these laws and regulations upon us, and we feel not good enough. But it's only what Jesus has done for us at the cross that sets us free. And I remember my, my, um, going to my um, cousin's christening. Now, if, if you don't know what christening is, christening is like a baptism for babies, Right? You, you know, remember my, 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 my law was got to be baptized to get to heaven. Baptism does not get you, is not about nothing to do with salvation, only what Jesus has done. But baptism is good because Jesus said, go and be baptized, okay? It's got nothing to do with salvation, but it has everything to do with honoring and, and obedience for Jesus, with Jesus Christ. Okay, so understand that. But, but for me, at that time, if you weren't baptized, you're going to hell, okay? That's what I kind of believe. And I went to my cousin's christening, which is for babies. But get this. The weird thing about it, my cousin was 10 years old. And I was like, when I found out that he was getting christened and he was only 10 years old, I was like, bro, you are so lucky. You're lucky you got christened today. Because if you had died before you got christened, you'd go, you would have gone to hell. That's where you're going. You're going to burn. That's burn, baby, burn. That's where you're going. And you know, and I was like, it was totally wrong. And I still find that in church today. People are kind of like associated. We, we have all these laws and regulations. In fact, you, even in this room, you have put rules and regulation of, of what your life should look like. And when you, here's the thing. When you violate the rules and laws that you put upon yourself, you feel unworthy. And these are the things that weigh us down. Or maybe someone else is putting rules or, um, and regulations upon you. And they're making you feeling like, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. Yeah. Even if you're not a Christian. If you're not a Christian, you have some kind of moral code. You live by this moral code. And you know what? You break it regularly. And regularly you think you're unworthy. So this, 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 this law, this, or these assumptions we have, it's not just on Christians, but everybody. And, and, it's, and it's the law that weighs us down, this excess, these rules and these assumptions we have. So how do we break free of these assumptions and these things that are holding you back? Maybe the reason why you never came to church, or maybe you're here for the very first time, but you never came before because you thought you weren't good enough, because you couldn't, up, you couldn't live up to these rules and regulations. You know what? You know what? It's got nothing to do about that. It's about Jesus brings us freedom. So if, and if you're here this morning, I'm excited you're here today because it's about finding freedom, being free in who you are in Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going, to be, we're going to be camping in the book of Galatians today. Galatians chapter 5. And, and Galatians is a church in, uh, in Galatia, which was in, in kind of modern-day Turkey. Now, now, when the Apostle Paul, what he was finding as he was traveling around, and he, he had set up all these missionary planted churches all right around the Mediterranean basin and, and things like that. But then, then he started hearing reports because, you know, all these Gentiles, Gentiles coming to Christ, finding freedom. What a Gentile was was anybody who wasn't a Jew. 
Okay, there were Jews and Gentiles, pretty much everybody else. And all of a sudden, all these Gentiles were coming to Christ, finding freedom in Jesus. And then you've got all these Jews, these Jews that are living in these other areas, they're coming to Christ, finding freedom. But for a Jew, all your customs, all your heritage, that's all the law, you've got to abide by that. And one of the biggest things about that was circumcision. I had to pause there, right? Circumcision, right? Can you, and, and so what they were doing, they were like, okay, you know, if you want to belong to God, because according to the Old, the Old Testament, to, to the law, is to be a child of God, you've got to be circumcised. If you're not circumcised, then you cannot be a child of God, because that was a big, it was a big part of the law. To be, if you're a guy, you know, um, you know it's uh, tough luck, but hey, you know, we're going to do an altar call, then we're going to go to the back, we're going to have a little procedure, it's going to involve scissors, it won't be long, you'll be sweet, all good. I, you know, they'll be, oh, it's all good, I had it done when I was a baby, I can't remember it. I know you're going to be sore for two weeks, but it's all good. So uh, um, we're going to do an altar call, we've got some scissors, and don't worry, we've got a steady hand. Um, and so, and all of a sudden, you know, the, 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 these, these, Christ, these Jews who are now becoming Christians, they're finding this new freedom, but they brought with them all this baggage, all this excess that they had with them. And anybody else, they would put it on top of them. Okay, you must now do this. And they put all these excess on them. So here we are in Scripture. And so if you got with me, and then now Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's addressing this. So turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And the Apostle Paul says this. And he's talking about the law from the Old Testament. He's talking about the law from the Old Testament, about what's happening. So Christ has truly set us free. Know this. Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in the slavery of the law. See, the law, it brings bondage, it brings weight, it means that, it means that we're never good enough um, to go forward. And, and the reason why God brought the law was to show us that we couldn't do it alone, that we can't do this without Him, to show that our inadequacies, that, that, that we can't do this. I mean, how many here have, who were able to uphold all of the Ten Commandments? How many of us, I, I've upheld the Ten Commandments, never broken it in my life? Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm like Jesus, you know. And, and, and if you say you've never lied, that's the biggest lie around. In fact, how many of us can, can, can uh, tell us the, the, all the laws of the Ten Commandments? Like, ah, oh, what is it? Um, don't, don't you make sure you share your food or something like that? Or um, I don't know. And, and you know, we, we can, we, most people can, can tell you different um, beverages of, of beer than they can any of the laws. But anyway, let's carry on. Let's, let's put anybody to the test. Here we go. Verse 2. This is Paul. Listen. Yes, listen, this is Paul. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. So if you want to go ahead and get the chop, go ahead, but you might as well do all the other regulations because Jesus died for nothing. Jesus died to set you free. It's not what you can to get you doing the heaven. It's what Jesus has done for you. See, good works does not lead to salvation, but salvation leads to good works. So where are you putting your faith in right now? In your ability to, to obey all the laws or your ability in who Jesus is and what he's done for you? What are you doing? And he goes on, I say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation and the whole law of Moses. See, so Paul's going, well, okay, so you are like, you, you, so you're doing this one? Well, if you're going to do, you're going to do this law, you've got to pick, you got to follow all these other ones because they were like choosing, no, nah, well, you know what? We're going to just choose these big ones 
that, that's still applicable today. But these little ones, no, we it's, it's kind of like we do this all as, as believers sometimes. We, it's like we use the law as some kind of smorgasbord. We see the laws, right? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to take this one. No, I'm not that one. I like bacon. Not that one. Oh, I'm going to take this one. I can do that. And we kind of pick and choose. But Paul's saying, if you're going to submit to one, you're going to have to submit to all the rest because you are no longer under Christ. You are now under, under um, the, the law which will hold you bondage, slavery. For if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. You have fallen away from God's grace. I'm sure grace is good too. So we pick and choose. And, and uh, let's take a look at some big ones. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to dive right in there, some of these big ones. Like, I don't know. Have you, I don't know if you've ever heard this before. Maybe you never have. Um, but I'm, 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 I'm guessing you have. When somebody said in regards to tattoos, right? And, and someone will say, that, well, the Bible says you should not put a mark on your body, right? Bible says that, right? So therefore, you shouldn't, you know, you, you, know you, 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 you come to Christ and you've got a tattoo and someone looks at you and goes, oh, well, you know, the Bible says, you know, you can't do this. But did you know the Bible also talks about that when a woman has her period, she is now unclean for seven days. You're not allowed to touch her for seven days. In fact, everything she touches now becomes unclean. So if you touch it, you're now unclean. Can you imagine with my wife, and she, it's that time of the month, and she's getting ready to jump on the car. I say, no, no, sorry, honey. So, so you can't jump in the car. Because if you jump on the car, you're going to make this car unclean, which means we're all going to be unclean. And, and I know that you love God, and you love God's law. So um, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to walk. Beat the feet and see you there. And, and she'll be like, well, you know what? I know that, that you can't touch me for seven days. Try a whole year. <laughs> okay. But you know, it's, it's interesting, right? We kind of pick and choose. Uh, I like this law. You know what? Uh, I love my wife, so I'm, I'm going to ignore that law. She can jump in the car. Because my life is important to me. So she can jump in the car. Okay. And we're going to pick and choose. So let's take a look at this. Let's just dive into Leviticus chapter 19, verse 28. Now, this is the only verse in the whole Bible that, that talks about this. Whole verse in the Bible. So, so let's do some exegesis, okay? If you don't know what exegesis is, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a tool that we use for, human, for hermeneutic, uh, hermeneutics. Okay, hermeneutics. Hey, guys got that? Exegesis is a tool that we use for hermeneutics. Okay, oh man. Anyway, it's what we use to study the Bible. Okay, here we go. It's what we use to study the Bible. Okay, so what exegesis is, is that is we, we take a look at the original, the original author. Okay, what did the Holy Spirit mean when he used the, the original author to pen these things? Because what scripture, so when you read scripture today, it has to mean what originally meant to the, the original audiences. Okay, we can't change it for us for today. We can't change that. So we've got we to gotta have a look. What did the cult, what, what is happening in the culture? What was, what was going on around them? That's how we interpret scripture. And that's how we use exegesis. So when we dive into this, so we go to Leviticus. I'm, I'm reading from the King James Version, the authorized translation. Has a couple of errors in it, but anyone get into that? But anyway, um, but let's go to this verse, 19, verse 20. It says, what does it say? It says, Yea, shall not, shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. Now, you notice you don't see the word tattoo in there. And that's really interesting because this is the only verse 
that, that talks about this. Now, the reason why you don't see any, the word tattoo in there is because when the King James was, uh, was first translated, it was translated in the 1600s. Now, the word tattoo didn't even exist. The word tattoo came, what didn't exist until around the 1700s, the late 1700s. So when we read the King James Version, it's, it's actually uh, an accurate translation of what the Hebrew is writing. Okay, I'm going to give it, I'll give that one to the King James followers out there. And, and, actually, and, this is what, and so when we read this, this is the actual translation in English, what it means. Yea, shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon your body, I am the Lord. Now, when we use exegesis, and let's break down these words. So let's, let's look at the word print. The word print, when we, when we pull this, go back to the Hebrew, pull away this word print, it's, it's talking about engraving, engraving uh, or marking or cutting. It's talking about that kind of things. And, and, but it's only, it's, in fact, the Hebrew word they use for print, is, it's only used once in the whole Bible, and it's in this verse. And the word marks is only used only in this verse. And in fact, when we look at the root meaning of the word marks in Hebrew, we don't really know what it means. So we have no idea what it means, to be, that's to be honest. So, um, so this teaching is actually really, really vague about tattooing today. So let's look at the culture situation. What was it like in the culture around them? Now, remember, at this time, uh, the children of Israel had left slavery from Egypt, and they're heading on the way to Canaan, and, and they're surrounded by Canaanites. And so God is trying to keep them, protect them from the Canaanites. Now, what we do know about looking at history and archaeological um, digs and, and, um, and evidence show us that the Canaanites never actually tattooed themselves with ink. They didn't do that. Other cultures did, but not them. What they did, however, is that they scarred their bodies. They would cut symbols, um, pagan symbols into their body or cut themselves. And you would see this in the Bible in 1 Kings when, when Elijah is taking on, on the, um, the pagan priests, right? And you see them cutting themselves. And, and, and so the scripture, scripture backs up what archaeology is finding out in the evidence. So, so when we look at this, this verse is not even about tattooing as we know it today. What it is about, it's about scarification, because this is what the people were doing, scarring their bodies in such a way, pagan symbols. So does this, is this verse relevant to us today? Is it relevant? And I would say absolutely it's relevant. And the reason why I say that is because this verse is about, is about um, putting any marks on your body uh, regarding paganism and idolatry upon yourself. So, so can you, as a Christian, put a tattoo on your body? This verse does not stop you from putting a, a tattoo on. It's not even talking about talking about scarification. In fact, um, in fact, it, Paul talks about if you have that law, then all of a sudden you are now condemning yourself to the law. So Paul's saying if you make that belief, but let me tell you something: if you've got a conviction about tattoos, honestly, God will give you conviction. Then live by those convictions, but do not put those convictions on somebody else because it's your conviction, not anybody else's. And so, um, so what does it mean for us as Christians? So therefore, you got to be very careful. Should you get should you get a tattoo? Be very careful what you get. Okay, if it's got, so you, got, you need to ask this question, why are you getting a tattoo? Why are you doing this? Okay, why are you getting this? What does it actually, what does it mean to you? Do you know, understand what's being put on your body? Um, is anything, are there any pagan symbols? Is there any kind of, um, any, any witchcraft, anything involved in that? If there is, then you need to reconsider what you're getting. You need to reconsider what you're getting. But it does not mean that you cannot get a tattoo. I'm just putting it out there. In fact, I, I would, for myself personally, I would get a Cook Island tattoo. And the reason why I would get one is not about identity, okay? My identity is who I am in Jesus Christ. 
That's my identity. It's about connection, connecting, uh, connecting to, to who I am through my, through my mom and through my grandmother. And it's connecting um, a, connect, a connection to my past. Like we've got a brother here. He's in here with his kilt. I, I'm, I'm trying my hardest not to look that way, just sitting right in front of me with your legs spread. But I was, I was, praise God there's a chair in front of me. But the whole thing, it's, why would you wear a kilt? It's about connection. It's about connection. I mean, why would someone travel all the way to Scotland, of all places? Because that's where your heritage was, and it's about connection. Why would somebody decide to go on a walk throughout the whole country? It's about connection. Why would somebody decide to, it's connection, and there's something inside of us to do, is this, this kind of connection that we have. It's never about putting any kind of laws upon somebody. Your identity is who you are in Jesus Christ. That is your identity on nothing else. And then when we look at women in ministry, you might be here and you might be feeling, you know, I feel like God has called me to ministry, but, but, but someone has told me that women shouldn't preach or teach, women shouldn't be pastors, women, and, and you feel, and now someone's put something upon you. And you come along to this church and you're kind of confused because we've got this, we've got women pastors, we've got women um, speakers who preach, we've got, we've got women up here who lead us in worship. And you're kind of confused because Scripture tells us, in fact, we're going to be looking at this bad boy. Should we look at the Scripture? Let's have a look. Okay, let's, let's, let's go to it. It's found in First um, Timothy 2. 1 Timothy 2. Here we go. Let's go there. Here we go. Check this verse out. A woman should learn in quietness and in full submission. Amen? Let's just pause in that moment. Then he goes on. I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. When you, do you know, um, quite often when I'm sitting in service and if I'm not speaking, someone else is speaking. My wife is, she's women are really good at multitasking, right? So she's listening to this message, but she's thinking about a whole bunch of things else. And she'll be quite often be going to me, hey, and she, you remember this and all this. And I'm like, I'm thinking about this verse. A woman should be quiet in church. Because I've only got one track motion. I'm only ready to listen to what this guy is saying, a woman is saying. But you got to understand. So let's do some exegesis. What is this verse talking about is Paul putting a law on us which kind of contradicts what he says in um, Galatians right so what is he doing he's doing a recommendation who's this verse written to it's written to Timothy a young pastor who is planting a church now let's do some exegesis let's have a look what's happening at this let's have a look at culture what's going on right now remember this is exegesis let's let's dig deep now the culture at that time women weren't allowed any form of education it was only the men now, people are being saved by Jesus. Jesus, because Jesus sets you free. And all of a sudden, a woman can now learn. They're in this place of learning about God. And, 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 and in fact, the context of this is like, in church, the women are like, they're, 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 because they've just come into faith, they're kind of like, they're like 10 steps back, not their fault, only because of what society had put upon them. And they're like yelling out to their husband, what's he talking about? And he's like, come on, hey, hey, ladies, be quiet. Just wait till you get home. You gotta ask them all the questions when you get home. You, you find Paul's writings, you see these, sees this. So what Paul's talking about here is he says, Timothy, when you plant this, this campus, this church, this is what don't put any woman in authority over men, because they just come to, they're just learning. They're just le- and, and it's something, it's a, it's a recommendation. And it has nothing to do with sex. It has nothing to do with, with, with you being a woman. It has nothing to do with that, but it was all about the society's norm of the time. God has no issue with women in ministry. God has no issue with women and authority over men. Can I say that? 
God has no issue with women and authority over men. How do I know this? Judges chapter four. In the book of Judges, before Israel had kings, God will raise up a God. God will raise up a judge. And this judge will lead the nation into victory. God will choose the judge. And in Judges chapter four, God chose a woman by the name of Deborah, or Deborah, however you want to say it. Let's just call her Debbie. God rose Debbie. And in fact, when you read the scripture, she's also a prophetess to the nation. So not only is she a leader of all of Israel, including men, she's also the spiritual leader, the spiritual leader over men. So if you have an issue with woman and ministry, you need to take it up with the King of Kings. Come on. God has no issue with woman and ministry. You know, legalism. You know what legalism is? Legalism is when we, is when we place law above, above the perfect work of Jesus on the cross. Like, oh, you know, I know Jesus set you free, but you've got all these things. You've got to take the boxes before. That's what legalism is. It binds us up. And Paul is hitting it on the head in Galatians. Don't let legalism bind you up. I remember as an 18-year-old, I'll just turn up, I'll just rock up the church and whatever I wanted to wear, I'll just, just turn up my, uh, I'll just, whatever. But when I would go out to a 21st, okay, I'll wear my best rip, rip jeans, my best t-shirt, my, my best jacket. I'm still wearing the same clothes I was when I was 18 now. And, uh, I'll, and I'll be going, and I remember God spoke to me. And this is what God said to me, he said, so you give, you give them your first and you give me your second? And it convicted me. And the next day at church, I wore what I wore. No, I wore the same clothes I wore to, this, to that 21st. The next day, I wore it to church the next day. Okay, I was 18. Okay, don't judge me. Okay. okay and I wore to church. And, and to, to this day, I would wear my best. If I'm going, these days I don't get invited to the 21st. These days it's like to 50ths and 40ths. So when I get invited to the 40ths and 50ths, I'm wearing my best ripped jeans and, and I'm turning up. But yet I understand something. This is God's revelation to me. This is my conviction. The minute I start putting this on other people, I've just created a law for them. I've just, I've just bound them by law. Look, if you, if you want to be part of the church, you've got to wear all these clothes. I've now bound you by law. But this is my conviction. If you have a conviction not to get a tattoo, don't get one. But don't bind it on somebody else. Don't put this law on somebody else. If you don't, if you don't believe women should be in ministry, that's all good. Go start your own church. But don't put it on anybody else. Don't come here and put it on us over here. Go start your own. All good. That's your conviction. Just have you and, and your brothers with you. Anyways. Come on, let's get back to the notes, eh? Hallelujah. Here's the application. I'm, I'm, I'm winding, winding up. I'm landing this plane. This is what living a life of freedom looks like, okay? So, we, so Galatians 5, 13. I just want you to say, go and read Galatians, all the book of Galatians. Read Galatians chapter 5 over and over and over again. If you want more on this teaching, what I'm talking about, read Galatians. Read it, read it, read it. Read it in different translations. I read it in different translations. Lo- I love reading in different translations. Get a better idea sometimes. Idea, so I, sometimes I'll read it in, in, in Mandarin, then I'll read it in Hebrew. No, no, sorry. I'm mean, sorry. I mean, uh, I'll, sometimes I'll read King James and I'll... <laughs> then the message, the nearly inspired version, NIV, and the NLT, to get a, get a, get a kind of a good idea what's going on. Here it is. This is the application. I'm landing the plane. I told you. 
And my second closing. And here we go, verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Be careful. Like Paul wasn't saying, oh, sweet, you're saved. Go do whatever you want. He wasn't saying that at all. He's not like setting you free from one law, being in bondage to the law, to being now being slavery to yourself. Because honestly, we can be slavery to ourselves. All we think about is ourselves. Oh, well, what's good for me? That's what works. If I feel good, then it's all good. He's not talking about that at all. Otherwise, grace is cheap. But he says this, instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, God loves people. See, this is it. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. God loves people. See, when Jesus taught us what sin was, Jesus kind of like redefined what, this is Jesus redefined sin when you read the Gospels. He says, this is what sin is about. Sin is about when we violate relationship. That's what sin is all about. When you, when you violate your relationship with somebody else, you, you, you violate it with God. And this is what I mean by that. Like if you say, to, well, you know what? I'm living for God. I, I, I don't care if I'm mean to everybody else, just as long as I'm obeying God. But you know what? That's called sin. You think, well, how is that called sin? Because I'm putting God first. Because let me tell you something. If you have an issue with my son Samuel, only I'm allowed to have an issue with him. And I have it every week. But if you have an issue with my son Samuel, you don't just have an issue with my son Samuel, you now have an issue with me. Because it's about relationship. So when you have an issue with somebody else, that somebody else is a child of God. And you now have have an issue with his father, our heavenly father. Come on. Your devotion to God is measured by what you do for people. Your devotion to God is measured by what you do for people. Every time you take from somebody, every time you sleep around with somebody else, you've taken from them. Every time that, that you fraud somebody, every time that, that you cheat somebody, every time that you lie to somebody, you lie to God, you hurt God. Because your devotion to God is measured by what you do for people. If you've got an issue with somebody, you have an issue with God. So that's what God says, go and make yourself right with that person. Jesus says this, Jesus says this, if you're, if you're, if you're about to take your sacrifice and sacrifice at the altar for your sins, but just before it's your turn, you'll be waiting all day in this line to, for your sacrifice. But just then, before you're gonna step up there, you realize you have an issue with somebody. God says, Jesus says this, leave your sacrifice there leaning against the wall. Go and make yourself right with this person. Now the heroes of this day will be saying, well, what are you saying, Jesus? We gotta put other people ahead of God. And Jesus said, well, this is it. By putting these people first, you put God first. Your devotion to God is measured by what you do for people. You know, being a Christian is more than just praying, reading your Bible, obeying laws. It's more than that. It's about helping people. It's about loving people. It's about being a signpost pointing to God. 
pointing people to Jesus. It's not just about, you know, the best way you can love somebody is tell them about Jesus. Is be a signpost. You know, years ago, when I was just a youth pastor, this old elderly gentleman came in and he had, like, you can see when someone's lost all their hope. And he says to me, I need somebody to talk to. And I was the only one there. In my mind, I was thinking, tell him, come back tomorrow, then Pastor Bob can talk to him. <laughs> but I said, okay, I'll talk to you. Then he said to me, he said to me that I can't be forgiven. I was going, what are you talking about? Jesus can forgive you. No, he can't. He said that to me. I said, why not? Because I just read the Bible. And the Bible tells me that Jesus can't forgive me. I said, whoa, whoa, show me. And this is the verse. Can you put that verse up, please? This is the verse. For Mark chapter 3, 28. It says this, I tell you, this is Jesus. This is Jesus saying, I tell you the truth. All sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. That's great, right? All sin, that means everything, and blasphemy can be forgiven. Then he kind of like contradicts himself. But anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. You know what the eternal consequences is? It's hell. It is hell. He told them this because they were saying he, he, he's possessed by an evil spirit. And this old man, elderly gentleman, sat there looking into nothingness. No expression on his face. You can feel the excess, the weight. You know, the words of Jesus are supposed to set you free, but he's now being bound. And I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm like, Lord Jesus, help me now. <laughs> I said to him, you know, you know the, what Jesus is talking about here, the Pharisees did not believe in the work of the Holy Spirit in Jesus. Let me tell you something. If you reject Jesus, if you reject him, and in fact, you, you're like all your life, say, so, you know, I don't need you, God. I don't need you. I don't need you, Jesus. If you reject him for the rest of your life, then on that day, it's gonna have eternal consequences for you. Eternal consequences for you. But I said to him, here's the good news. Anybody who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Will be saved. If you remain in that place, you have eternal consequences. But let me tell you something. You don't have to remain in that place anymore. Because all these laws that we place on us, this excess of weight weighs us down. But the power of Jesus on the cross has set you free. No matter what you're feeling, no matter what you're going, do you feel the weight of condemnation on your shoulder? Do you feel the weight that I'm not good enough? Do you feel that? And if you do, Jesus is who you need to go to. It's the power of the cross will set you free. Your devotion to God is measured by what you do for people.